Let's just read from the scriptures. And we're turning this morning to 2 Chronicles. We're at chapter 25. And I want to read from the verse 1. 2 Chronicles chapter 25. 2 Chronicles chapter 25 and verse 1. find the place. We'll read it from verse 1. Amaziah was twenty and five years old when he began to reign. And he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jehoadin of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. Now it came to pass when the kingdom was established to him that he slew his servants that had killed the king his father. But he slew not their children, but did as it is written in the law in the book of Moses where the Lord commanded, saying, The father shall not die for the children, neither shall the children die for the fathers. But every man shall die for his own sin. Moreover, Amaziah gathered Judah together and made them captains over thousands and captains over hundreds, according to the houses of their fathers throughout all Judah and Benjamin. And he numbered them from twenty years old and above, and found them three hundred thousand choice men able to go forth to war that could handle spear and shield. He hired also an hundred thousand mighty men of valor out of Israel for an hundred talents of silver. But there came a man of God to him, saying, O king, let not the army of Israel go with thee. For the Lord is not with Israel to wit with all the children of Ephraim. If thou wilt go, do it. Be strong for the battle. God shall make thee fall before the enemies. For God hath power to help and to cast down. And Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do for the hundred talents which I have given to the army of Israel? And the man of God answered, The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. Then Amaziah separated them to wit, the army that was come to him out of Ephraim to go home again. Wherefore their anger was greatly kindled against Judah, and they returned home in great anger. And Amaziah strengthened himself, and led forth his people, and went to the valley of salt, and smote of the children of Seir ten thousand, and other ten thousand left alive did the children of Judah carry away captive 
and brought them unto the top of the rock and cast them down from the top of the rock that they were all broken in pieces. But the soldiers of the army which Amaziah sent back that they should not go with him to battle fell upon the cities of Judah from Samaria even unto Beth Horon and smote 3,000 of them and took much spoil. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 13. And we pray God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text this morning is taken from the latter part of verse 9 of Second Chronicles chapter 25. And it reads, The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. And that's my subject today. I haven't put any fancy title on it. The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. Now let me, by the help of God, put our text in its context. It's right to put a text in its historical setting. A man by the name of King Amaziah began his reign over Judah and Benjamin at the age of 25. His father had just been brutally murdered. And this man, age 25, is an individual with big dreams for Judah and Jerusalem. His main aim is to restore something of the greatness of Judah in his day and generation. Now you've got to remember that this is a day when the kingdom or the land of Israel is divided in two. There's the northern kingdom with its own king, priesthood and sacrifices. And there is the southern kingdom called Judah. And it's in this southern kingdom that this man has just been coronated as king and has come to reign. And the first thing he desires to do is to build up his army. So he numbers the children of Israel and he selects 300,000 choice fighting men. Now these are the ablest men. These are the bravest men. These are probably the best and most skilled of men. And then as he thinks about this 300,000 strong army, he, he reasons with himself that this is not enough. So what he does is he adds to that number another 100,000 men. Now he didn't get them from his own kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. He goes to the kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom, and he actually buys the services of 100,000 men whom we would call in modern terminology mercenaries. He offered to pay these men 100 talents of silver. If you look at verse 6, he hired also an 100,000 mighty men of valor out of Israel for an 100 talents of silver. Now let me just point out that these men, mercenaries as they were, they were idolaters. They were apostates, men who would kill without mercy, men who would 
pillage and steal, men who would probably be guilty of rape. These men were excited and thrilled with killing another individual. They were ready to fight. They didn't care who they were fighting against or what they were fighting for or the cause. They didn't even care that God had departed from Israel. And yet these were the men that King Amaziah had hired for a hundred talents of silver. And then there came to the king, a man of God, if you read Second Chronicles chapter 25, verses 1 through to 9, you'll get the reference three times. But there came a man of God. Verse 7. Verse 9. The man of God. Verse 9 again. And the man of God answered. So I want you to see this. There was a man of God came to the king. We're not told his name. Obviously he was a prophet. He was sent with God. He had a word from the Lord. And he comes to the king. And what does he say? He's the Lord's messenger, remember, with the Lord's message. That message, thank God, was clear, concise. It was blunt, but also very brief. And what does he say? He says, O king, let not the army of Israel go with thee. For the Lord is not with Israel to wit, with all the children of Ephraim. He says in verse 8, but if thou will go, then go ahead and do it. Take them with you. Be strong for the battle. But God shall make thee fall before the enemy. For God hath power to help. But remember, he has power to cast down. Now at this point, King Amaziah, he interjected this thought into this conversation. But what shall we do for the hundred talents which I have given to the army of Israel? You see, what's he thinking about? He's thinking about his money. He's thinking about his investment. He's thinking about what I've already paid out to these mercenaries. And he got the answer. And here was the answer. The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. Now, this is a word that has been living with me for the best part of three weeks. The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. This is a word for us as individual Christians. This is a word for our church. This could even be a word for our denomination at this time. This could easily have been our motto text for 2015. Although I did choose Second Chronicles 26 in the verse 5. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah. If you think of these words this morning, the Lord is able to give thee much more than this. There's three things just on the surface of the text. I want you to think about the supply of God's provision. Much more than this. You see, Amaziah was thinking, as he heard what the man of God said, what about the hundred talents of silver? 
That's a huge sum of money. And Mosiah was asking, what about the money that I have spent? And as I've said, the man of God gave him the answer. The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. Amaziah was thinking of the money that he'd spent. That was his idea to spend that money. That was his plan. He had worked out a scheme whereby he could secure and strengthen Judah and restore something of his of its greatness. He, he was really saying, I, I have got my way of doing this. Now you're telling me that it's going to cost me to do it God's way. And that's exactly what the man of God was saying. You see, someone has rightly said, it could have been Andrew Murray, the great revivalist from South Africa, God's work done God's way will not lack God's supply. And even at a time like this for ourselves, we've got to think of the supply of God's provision. Now that's true for us individually as Christians. That's true for us as a congregation and a church. That's true for our denomination as a whole. You see, the man of God is literally saying to him that the hundred talents of silver, that peels into insignificance when you think of the supply of God's provision. Now, the word this could refer to the hundred talents of silver. God is able to give thee much more than a hundred talents of silver. But what is God's much more? How do we identify it? How could we quantify it this morning? Let me, let me just suggest this. That God's much more is his blessing. The blessing of God. You see that's what the man of God wanted for Amaziah. That's what he wanted for the witness of God and the country as a whole. Just think this morning of what the Lord has already given you. Think of the Lord's blessings. The little hymn says, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Hasn't the Lord blessed us physically? We've got health and strength today. It's him that gives us breath to breathe. It's in his hand. Think of our temporal blessings. What he supplies us daily with food to eat. Think of material blessings. Think of all the blessings that we have spiritually. Remember what um, Ephesians chapter 1 
And uh, 3 tells us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That's a sermon all in itself, but let me put it simply this morning. Think of the knowledge of sins forgiven. Think of having peace with God. Think of having the peace of God in the midst of trials and troubles that come upon us daily and weekly. Think of having access to God's throne. The privilege of going to him and saying, Heavenly Father, because you're his child and he loves you and cares for you. Think of your relationship to Jesus Christ. He's your Lord and Savior. He's your friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He is your elder brother because you're related to Christ. In a blood relationship. Think of the fact that you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Think of the fact that you have the word of God in your English language. Think of the fact that you were brought up in the gospel. And you've had the privilege of hearing words whereby you can be saved. Think of the fact that in Northern Ireland, God in mercy has raised up men of God to bring to us the message of God. Isn't that in the scene here? Three times this prophet is called the man of God. A man who belongs to the Lord. A man who's in love with the Lord and loyal to him. And and yet the truth is that so often, even despite all these blessings, even despite, if we put it in an umbrella term, the blessing of God, in a given context and situation, What do we focus on? We focus on the cost. That's what Amaziah was doing. And Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do for the hundred talents which I've given to the army of Israel? Isn't there a lot of what about, Ray? About today. See, the man of God had come to the king and he was telling him, your plan is not of God. And I want you to abandon the carnal plan for God's way. And here's the reason. The Lord is not with Israel. You shouldn't be hiring these troops. This is the devil's crowd. And you don't need the devil's crowd to help you to do God's work. And you don't need the devil's ways To help you to do God's work. And you don't need the devil's money. To help you to do God's work. Let me apply it individually. You're here this morning. You profess to be a Christian. Maybe we'll just keep it in context. Have you ever thought about the snares of Sunday? The Lord's Day. Let me illustrate. There was a man in a meeting. He had the habit, as we used to have, of a man shouting, Hallelujah! I have no problem with that, as long as the man is genuine and sincere and has done at an appropriate time. But this man was in this particular meeting and he was shouting out, Hallelujah! And the preacher, after two or three hallelujahs, looked down at the man and says, Has that hallelujah cost you anything, sir? And you know what he said? To the amazement of the minister, yes it has. He said, I run a garage. And I have been offered 
a great sum of money for opening my business on a Sunday. And I could stand to make thousands of pounds by this big corporation. But I thought about it and prayed, and I felt it would be violating the Lord's Day. The Bible says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And I want to tell you, preacher, glory to God, even though it cost me money, I have turned it down. Oh, I've lost the money, yes, but I've kept my testimony. I've got the joy of the Lord in my soul. I've got the peace of God in my mind. I know I've done the right thing to the glory of God. Now I want you to put yourself in that situation. Isn't there a big temptation and lots of opportunity to work on Sunday? I'm not talking about necessary work. There is such a thing as necessary work. A nurse, a fireman, a policeman. A farmer has some necessary work to do. But aren't there those who profess the name of the Lord, working on Sundays, they've got the offer of double pay, or maybe even triple pay? And what is lacking is the love and loyalty of the Lord to have the courage to do and say the right thing. Many have opportunity to make a lot of money on the Lord's Day doing unnecessary work. It could be done on a Saturday. It could be done on a Monday. But I want to tell you, even if you were offered more money than you imagined, here's the question, would it be worth it? Because when you think of the money... And then contrast that with the blessing of God. And ask yourself, could you afford to lose the blessing of God? And I want to tell you, if you choose the blessing of God and remain in love and show loyalty to Jesus Christ, have the courage and commitment of your conviction, then the Lord will make it up to you. He'll make it up to you now. I believe he'll make it up to you in the world to come. He'll make it up to you because you're doing what is right in his sight. If I could go sideways, think of this king. It says in verse 2, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. That word perfect means complete. It means totally committed. And isn't that one of the big dilemmas that we face today? Where in the house of God, we have people attempting to do something for the Lord. But the reality is, our hearts are not fully committed. And if they're not fully committed to the Lord's day, then it'll be fully committed in, in, in other areas. See, the Lord's day, let's be clear, has become a day for um, people going, playing golf, scuba diving, out in their boat, fishing, football, cricket, rugby, shopping, mowing the lawn, washing the car, frequenting the places of worldly entertainment, instead of being in the house of God. And of course, there's a battle. And there's a blessing at stake. And there's a cost that's involved. You see, it's costly to be a Christian. But I understand 
that there's financial loss. And I understand that one's job security can be even threatened. But what's the answer to that? Surely in every case, and I want to say it in every situation, there's a word from God, and the word is this, the Lord is able to give thee much more than this. It costed nothing to become a Christian, because the cost has been paid for in full by the uh, person and work of Christ. Christ died for our sins. But it costs everything to be a true disciple and a true Christian. A true Christian, his first love, his first loyalty will ever be to the Lord. We could apply it this morning to the individual churches. The Free Presbyterian Church is, well, over 60 years, so it's 63 uh, years old. We have, what, approximately about over 60 churches in Northern Ireland. And I've asked myself, I was challenged by this. How many Free Presbyterian churches have been opened in the last 10 years? Now, I'm not talking about opening church buildings. I'm talking about new work starting up in new areas. You know what the answer is? You've guessed it. None. Why? That's a good question. Have we lost the vision? Have we taken our eyes off the Lord? Have we lost our way somewhere? We know we've lost our leader in Dr. Paisley. But while the Lord buries, as I said at that time of his funeral, that his work, man, his work goes on. And I, I think we've forgotten, folks, that the Lord is able to give us much more than this. And that is more of the same thing. I'm not talking about something new or something different. I'm talking about more of the same thing. And that was the message from the man of God. And that's the mindset that we need to, to adopt today. This is the language of faith in the supplying of the Lord's provision. More of the same thing, Lord. When it comes to the subject of souls getting saved. When it comes to the subject of answers to prayer. When it comes to the subject of needing help in given areas. When it comes to the subject of our finances or lack of it. When it comes to the subject of the church's future. Our future. Our going forward. Our denomination's future and going forward. Then what do we need? We need a word from God. And what is the Lord's word in this context? The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. Let's not doubt it. Let's not deny it. Let's throw off this rhetoric of mindset whereby we want to close churches and put lights out in given areas. May we go to God and plead and say, Lord, what we fear most is the loss of the blessing of God. Do you fear that for yourself and your family? Do you fear that for, for, for this congregation and for our denomination? Do you know what I want to say this morning? It's a miracle that the Lord blesses us. It's a mercy that the Lord blesses us. But, but it's a ministry as well. 
And oh, that if we could keep our eye of faith on this is what we need most, regardless of the cost of anything else, the blessing of God, then we'll not seek to hide it. And we'll certainly not seek to hurt it. See, what Amaziah was doing, he was hurting the cause and witness of God by a carnal worldly policy. It took the man of God to step in and herald it forth. The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. And I want to say, it took courage for the man of God to come. It took courage for the man of God to announce and herald forth his message in the ears of the king. What do you fear? I'll tell you what I fear. I fear the withdrawing of God from me. I fear the withdrawing of God from us. I fear the withdrawing of God from our church. I fear the withholding of blessing. I fear that the Lord would set us to the one side and pass us by. I fear that the Lord would leave us to our own devices. I fear the Lord would leave us with a carnal policy of, of, of bringing in the world's ways and treating the church like a business when it's not a business. You know, if we're not careful, it could be our church. It could be our denomination. Listen to what Amaziah was told. For God of power to help. Isn't that encouragement? But there's also enlightenment and they're cast down. You know, we have no monopoly in God as a church. We can't dictate to God to work here and there or to work in this way. But I believe that we as men of God, we've got a responsibility to speak up for God and to tell it like it is. You see, this man of God's a spiritual man. He's in communion and fellowship with the Lord and he will not resort to a carnal policy. And even if the king does it, he's telling him he's wrong. God has nothing to do with Israel. He's not with them. He was saying to the king, you know, you're focusing on size. You, you want a 400,000 strong army to go out uh, against the children of Seir. But I want to tell you it's the sort that you need, not the size. Do we not live in perilous times? Live in days of small things? And I want to tell you, even though this is a small church, I believe this is of God. I believe God is in it. If I didn't believe that, I would quit now. But sadly, in the eyes of some, it's despised. And what do we need? In this day of small things, in this day of we're despised, we need a precious truth. And here's just one precious truth from the book. The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. Let's get our eyes on the Lord. The God who is able to do much more. So often we complain in our circumstances and situation. We could wallow in pity and say, poor me. Look at my lot, my state. Look at the state of our church. But we need the eyes again on the Lord's much more.
Aren't you glad this morning you're in a place of worship? That there's a, 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 a Bible-believing, God-centered, Christ-loving church. Oh, it's far from being perfect. The church will never be perfect because we're imperfect sinners. But I'm glad this morning I'm not in some churches. I'm glad I'm associated with a witness that's sought to be faithful from its inception to Jesus Christ in the gospel. The supply of God's provision. Let me say quickly, because our, our time is gone. I want you to think about the sovereignty of God's power. Note the words here. The Lord is able. The word Lord's in capitals. It's a reference to Jehovah the God of the covenant. The Lord is able. Let, let, let's think about his power for a moment. Let's think of his ability. And what is the Lord able to do? Now all I can give this morning is the references. We'll come back sometime and, and preach on five or six points in this message. But listen to um, Hebrews chapter 7 and the verse 25. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. God is able to save. Let's not deny God's ability and power. Even the, the stoutest and even the wickedest of godless men and women who live in our community, God is able to save. Do we believe that? Are our eyes upon the Lord? Let's think of the Lord's sucker. Maybe you're here this morning and you're in trial and difficulty. You see no light for you. There's no help for you. Remember what we read in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 18. For in that he himself have suffered being tempted. Is able to succor them that are tempted. It's not a lovely word. He is able to do what? Succor them that are tempted. Are you in the midst of temptation? Doubt and dilemma about what to do? Where am I going to get ability and strength and courage to, to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord? He is able. He has power. And it might even be in the midst of trial with a family, midst of difficulty. He is able. Let me give you another one. Over there in Ephesians chapter 3, and look with me at the verse 30. Uh, sorry, the verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Able to do exceeding abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Now it's not tremendous. In other words, he's able to surprise us. And we all love surprises. I, I love surprises. Think at Christmas time you get a present. It's all wrapped up and you don't know what's in it. And there's a prize of unwrapping it and, and, and looking at the object that you've been uh, given with, with, with immense pleasure and delight. Now, if, if we we're able to experience that, then how much more? Now, unto him, it's a statement of fact in praise and adoration. Now, unto him that is able to do far more exceeding abundantly above all that we ask. We're asking the Lord for a thousand people to give us a hundred pound. In our pledge, he's able to do 
far more exceedingly above what we ask or even think. Here's he's able to supply. Because that's really what the man of God is saying. The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. In other words, a hundred talents of silver, nothing to the Lord. He owns all the gold and silver and diamonds in the world. You see, the tremendous thing about our God is he's always the same. He never changes. Do you know that? We live in a changeable world. We live in changing circumstances and situations. That's true in our family life and beyond. But the Lord's immutable. He's unchangeable. He says, by way of testimony, Malachi 3 and 6, I am the Lord. I change not. Do you know, aren't you thankful today that we have a God who's not only able, but he's willing. Imagine worshipping in a God who's willing and saying, do you know, I would love to help you. I would love to do this and for you and that for you, but I'm not able to do it. I don't have any wherewithal. But that's not our God. That's not the God of the Bible. I'm thankful that we don't have a God who says, you know, I'm able to help. But I'll tell you the truth, I'm not willing. I don't want to. Thank the Lord that we do not worship a Lord like that. The Lord is able. The sovereignty of his power to save, to succor his saints in time of need, to supply all that they need for life spiritually and all the rest. He's able to surprise us. The Bible says, one of the girls quoted it this morning in the prayer meeting, is anything too hard for the Lord? Lastly, you'll be glad to hear that. This is a message about the speciality of God's prerogative. Think of the words, much more. Doesn't the Bible talk in John 15 about fruit? The Bible talks about more fruit. The Bible talks about much fruit. And there's a progression there. And I often think of the advert uh, that used to be in television, the little boy coming. Uh, I can't remember the little boy's name. I can't even remember the uh, man in the school who was over the boys. But he come with his bowl, uh, empty of porridge, and he was looking seconds. And the man roars at him and uses the word more. And I, I never forgot that, because that's always stuck in my mind. And, you know, think of the word more here, much more. What do we need? Well, we could say to the Lord, well, this year in 2015, we need souls to be saved, Lord. We could say to the Lord, well, Lord, we need silver. We've got a building program that we want to start with the money to put the shell of the building up. But what we need the rest, a hundred thousand pounds and, and maybe slightly more. Where's that silver going to come from? Let's remember the Lord's much more. Do you know what we need as well? We need supplicators in the church. We need young people to join the prayer meeting, to come to God with a broken heart and a burden. For the honour and glory of God's name first and foremost. Young people on fire for the Lord. I've told you before, I went one time in 2010 to Macrafelt. I went early. 
Um, when I arrived there at five past six or ten past six, there was a crowd of young people in a little room. I thought they were having a, a young people's meeting. I, I said to uh, Mr. Barry Stewart, who's the clerk of session, uh, Barry, uh, are they having a, a meeting? And he says, no, that's the prayer meeting. And when I went in, there was loads of young people there. And they were all burdened. And they were crying to God. And know what they were asking God to do? For God to come and work and give souls. We need supplicators. Thank God for the elderly, the godly mothers, the godly fathers. But you know, the Lord has taken away many of our dear people from our own church and our denomination. I was asked by another minister at the week of prayer, where are the prayer warriors today, David? We were reminiscing about the old prayer meetings. Prayer meetings at the minister's week of prayer where you couldn't get your tongue in edgeways. Or sometimes you were laughing and in a second you were crying because of the presence of God. Where's the passion and power for prayer? Where is the laying hold of the horns of the altar? And the horns of the altar were blood-stained horns and getting a hold of them and saying, Lord, I'll not let you go until you bless me. You see, remember what I said? The hundred talents of silver, the Lord is able to give thee much more than this. What was the much more? I, I say to you sincerely, the supply of God's provision is an umbrella, the blessing of God. Have an eye to that. Think of the sovereignty of his power. If the blessing of God is upon you, it'll be seen in a variety of areas. Because that's the speciality of the Lord's prerogative. He's the God of the much more. We need people who will sacrifice. People who will stand up and show their love and loyalty for the Lord. See let's remember he's a giving God. He's not only a good God and a gracious God. And a great God. And maybe I'll just say this in finishing. At the death of a king in France, Louis XIV. I think it was the bishop. Who, who, maybe the archbishop who came to the funeral. And he stood up with a black ebony casket with a little candle on top. And he came down out of the pulpit, he snuffed the candle, and he said three or four words. This was a sermon to the congregation. Only God is great. The king called himself Louis the Great. But only God is great. Let's get our eyes on this great God. This giving God. This good God. This gracious God. I finish with this. You'll be glad to hear that. Painting of the Niagara Falls, place I've never been in Canada. Some of you have been there. Different artists were tasked to paint it. There's going to be a competition as to which is the best. This artist, he had a quandary in his mind. What am I going to call it by way of a title? And um, other ones were just calling it the Niagara Falls and whatever. And you know what he entitled his painting? More to follow. And he won the competition, by the way. In other words, it keeps on flowing. Day after day. Month after month, year after year. Isn't it like the blessing of God? Much more. More to follow. That's the speciality of God's prerogative. Let's not forget that. Because that's what we need. May the Lord take these few truths and bless them to our heart this morning.